Well, good morning and thank you for joining us. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Abide. And we are going to study what's called the parable of the vine in John chapter 15. As we get into our series, I want you to check this out. Check out this picture. Uh, this is the uh, world's largest and oldest grapevine. It's 250 years old. Not bad. That's, a, that's an old grapevine. It was planted in 1768 uh, near London, England, at the Hampton Court Palace. The grapes from this vine once fed Queen Victoria. How about that? Pretty cool. Um, it's a single vine, and if you look right there, it has, uh, it's a single vine with a trunk that's 14 feet in diameter. That's pretty crazy. Now, even though some of the branches are around 120 feet long, which is longer than three London buses, those vines still produce fruit because they're connected. They're alive. Uh, this has actually been called one of the wonders of the vegetable kingdom. I didn't know there was such a thing, but if there ever was one, we're looking at it. And uh, you know what they call it? They call it the grapevine. Grapevine, that's really clever. Like grapevine, get it? Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, we are going to look, this is the grapevine. We're going to look at an even greater vine in this series. Just like branches connected to a vine, Jesus says in John chapter 15, that he is the true vine who will connect us to a relationship with God. Right? By connecting with the vine Jesus, we are brought into a relationship with God. And our prayer for you in this series is that you would grow deeper in a relationship with God and experience a life changed by him. We pray that uh, your life would produce more of an abundance to the glory of God. Amen. So if you have your Bible, open it up to John chapter 15. We're going to begin to look at the power of abiding in the vine. Now this is a teaching that comes from Jesus on the very last night of his life before he goes to the cross. And many of you will remember that Jesus has just shared a meal with his disciples uh, in the upper room, something called the Last Supper. Don't forget that during this meal, uh, Judas left the meal, so Judas has already gone off to betray Jesus, and uh, Jesus now wants to have, uh, give some of his final teaching to his friends, and he's going to talk about the vine and the branches. Like Jesus is about to go to the cross, rise from the dead, and ascend to heaven. Jesus is about to depart from this world, but he wants his friends, and he wants all of us to know that the relationship will continue. That's pretty important. John Murray, or excuse me, Andrew Murray explains it this way in a book called Abide in Christ. During the life of Jesus on earth, the word he chiefly used when speaking to the relations of the disciples to himself was, follow me. Do you remember? Uh, Jesus shows up on the shore of Lake, uh, Lake in Galilee and just says to some fishermen, follow me. And they got up and they followed Jesus. And that, that word, those words, follow me, really defined his relationship with his disciples during his time on earth. But then Andrew Murray says when he went about to leave for heaven, he gave them a new word in which their more intimate and spiritual union with himself in glory should be expressed. That chosen word was abide in me. 
These are the final outpourings of Jesus' heart of love for you and for me. Jesus is about to depart and to go and be with the Father. But we're not to be afraid. He's not leaving us as orphans. As Jesus said just moments earlier in John chapter 14, verse 20, he said, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Jesus loves us so much. He wants us to understand that though he goes to the Father, our relationship can continue. It reminds me of that grapevine that had some branches stretching some 120 feet, yet still producing delicious grapes. Though Jesus has ascended to the Father, a relationship is possible that can transform my life and your life. And Jesus calls it, abide in me, remain in me, stay connected to me. It's a secret. What many have found has been called, uh, the secret is found in what many have called the parable of the vine here. This week we're going to talk about abiding in Christ. Next week we'll talk about fruitfulness, what that means. Then pruning, and finally uh, nourished by the word of God in prayer. But today as we look at the idea here of abiding in Christ, we're going to look at two things. We're going to see the picture and the invitation. First, we'll look at the picture and then Jesus' invitation to you and to me. So let's dive in. Let's read this together. John 15, verses 1 through 11. This is what Jesus said to his disciples on that final night before going to the cross. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let's pray and we'll dive in. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for each person who is here. You brought us to this place for a reason today. You love us and you desire a deeper, more intimate relationship with us. Thank you, God, that you are real life. You are, you are true. You are present. So help us in this moment to understand the good news of what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, we're looking at two things. We're looking at the picture and the invitation. So let's start with the picture. Jesus gives us a powerful picture here. And the picture is this. Uh, I am the vine. Jesus says, uh, he is the true vine. John 15, 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, uh, many will recognize this in this room today, especially a lot of the women who are uh, in a study right now on the I am sayings of Jesus. Anybody studying that? Yep, right, all across the room. Uh, this is one of Jesus's I am statements. In fact, it's the last of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. We'll put them up on the screen for you. If you are reading the Gospel of John, you'll come across several of these statements throughout the gospel where Jesus will say uh, each of these things. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the last one which we're looking at today. I am the true vine. Now, these could sound like simple phrases, um, but in reality they are loaded with meaning. Let's just look at the first half. Jesus says, I am. Remember in the book of Exodus, Exodus, that God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And Moses is overwhelmed. He's afraid. And he asks God, what is your name? Do you remember what God said? God said, my name is I am. I am who I am, Yahweh. But when Jesus came to the earth, he helps us understand who he is. At the core, what is Jesus' identity? He says, it several, he says it seven times in the Gospel of John. My name is I Am. Jesus is, just like the Creed says, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. I Am speaks of the divinity of Jesus Christ. Now look at the second half in each of these sayings. I think it's pretty cool. Because Jesus is not just giving us abstract ideas that are hard to understand. But he actually gives us very concrete pictures. Things like bread, light, the gate of the sheep. You know, it's been said a picture is worth a thousand words. And Jesus gives us some powerful, concrete pictures here like a vine. You can hear a vine, see it, you know, taste it, touch it, all those things. It's concrete. And... And it provides clarity for us on what it means to truly have a relationship with God. So Jesus uses this powerful image in John 15 when he says, I am the true vine. And many people in Israel uh, at that time were familiar with grapevines. Now the vine that we're talking about here is not the vine that grows on the fence in the back of your yard. I've got that vine. We're talking about a grapevine here. And in Israel at that time, Grapevines were common. Vineyards were common. Uh, traditionally, when someone built a home in Israel, they planted a grapevine in the yard. And uh, you could, in Israel, you would see many vines and many vineyards. It would have been like uh, Napa Valley is today, if you could put a picture like that. Do you guys remember last week when uh, we read the story in Numbers chapter 13 of how uh, Moses sent the spies into the promised land and they explored the promised land. Do you remember what they found in abundance? Remember, it was grapes, right? They found grapes, vineyards, all those kinds of things. And uh, a couple of guys cut off a cluster of grapes that was so large 
They hoist it on a pole and it takes two of them, you know, carrying it between them just to get it back to Moses. Those are some grapes uh, right there. But, um, you know, grapes really grew in abundance in this, this region during this time. So like for us, we, when you think of the United States, the eagle is the emblem of the United States. Well, the grapevine became the emblem for Israel. And during the Maccabean time, they actually printed uh, grapevines on their coins. The prophets in the Old Testament and Jesus in his parables often refer to Israel as God's vine or God's vineyard. And what's interesting about each of those references is that they're all negative. In every one of those instances, Israel has failed to bear fruit for the Lord. Now, when Jesus comes, and on the night he's betrayed, he says, I am the true vine. And he's giving every one of us a picture that begins to define our relationship with God. Jesus is saying here that he is the vine. We are not. We cannot save ourselves. There is no self-help here. We all have failed in our relationship with God, just like Israel failed in their relationship with God. You and I need a salvation that only Jesus can provide. He is the true vine. He is the one that directly connects us with God. Every other vine is a false vine. I watched an interview uh, recently of, uh, of uh, Keith Green. Slipping my mind there. Any of you know Keith Green? Okay. Uh, that's awesome. So Keith Green is one of the pioneers of contemporary Christian music. Just uh, an amazing uh, musician and uh, really a legend in Christian music. So this interview of Keith Green came from 1978. So that was when I was born. I'll confess that, 78. Um, but it was really interesting to hear this interview because Keith Green actually talked about how he was going along with all the things that young people were doing on the West Coast at that time, you know, rebelling from everything, drugs, Eastern religion, yoga, meditation, like he was doing all that. And, and he truly believed that those were things that would ultimately make him happy or ultimately satisfy him. And he said, you know what, they did. They did for an hour. They did for a few days. But then he would come down. He would come down from the high. He would come down from the experience. And it always left him searching for more, looking for more. But in this interview, Keith Green makes a really, really cool observation. He discovered something. He realized in all the Eastern religions, all the cults, and all the world religions, they're always giving credit to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, Muslims believe Jesus is a prophet. He said, uh, Krishnas see Jesus as an avatar of the divine. In Buddhism, Jesus is a bodhisattva who's reached a higher state. They're all saying, look, Jesus is somebody pretty special. And so Keith Green says this in the interview. He says, in all of my searchings, I saw that all these people were pointing to Jesus. They wouldn't all agree about anything except that Jesus was one of the ways. 
Then I looked into the Bible. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Keith Green is like, this is crazy. I, I was looking at these religions. I was into Eastern religion, all this stuff. And they were all saying, oh, Jesus is something special. I looked at Jesus and Jesus just pointed to himself. And so the only thing that made sense for Keith Green was to give his life to Jesus. It's the only thing that's made sense. To many of us in this room today, we have discovered the true vine, the real vine, the direct connection to God that you can't find anywhere else in this world. It is the one relationship that can truly satisfy our hearts. He is the true vine. Jesus connects us into a real life-changing relationship with God. And if you've never done it before, give your life to Jesus Christ, just like Keith Green did. He's the true vine. In Jesus, we're connected to real relationship with God. The picture continues. Jesus says, the Father is the gardener. The Father is the gardener. I like that. Uh, anyone here garden? Any gardeners? Uh, my mom was a gardener. Uh, flower garden, vegetable garden, all that. I am not a gardener. I'll just put that out there. I don't know how to grow anything. Like dirt, I can't, I can't make a plant grow. And if I did, I'd kill it. But I did have a cool opportunity recently, as Steve prayed. I got to go with Steve and Phyllis to Christ's home. And uh, we did a little activity with some of the students there. We planted succulents in pots. And a, a succulent is an amazing plant. I took it home. I made one for myself. It's sitting there in the light. I literally have done nothing to this plant other than splash some water on it every once in a while. And it is the happiest plant I've ever seen. It's so happy. I'm happy. Win-win. I can do that. Right? A succulent is what they call a easygoing, low-maintenance plant. And that plant is happy in my home. A grapevine is not low maintenance. <laughs> Grapevines take a lot of work. And that goes from the, you got to plant it, you got to thin it, prune it. All of this is do being done by hand throughout the year. In my studies, I read that of all the fruit plants that were grown in Israel, it was the grapevine that required the most attention. They require constant care. You don't just plant a vine in the ground and then come back at harvest time and have good fruit. It takes a lot of work. And the one responsible for all of that work is the gardener. And the gardener puts in the hard work really for only one reason. Because they love the fruit. They love produced by the vine. In this parable of the vine, Jesus introduces us to the gardener. Who is the gardener? Does Jesus say in verse 1? He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And the picture of the father here as the gardener isn't surprising. If you've read your Bible or read your Old Testament, God often pictures himself as the gardener, and Israel is the vine. Isaiah 5 is called the song of the vineyard. And Isaiah describes God's work as a gardener in caring for his vine, Israel. Just check this out. Listen to this from Isaiah 5. 
says, my loved one has, had planted a vineyard on a fertile hillside. And Isaiah is speaking of God here. God is the one who planted this vineyard. says he dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest of vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. He looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? God said, when I looked for good grapes, why did it only yield bad? This song of the vineyard is really interesting because, first of all, you get a sense of what, of all the work that was involved in planting a vineyard. You're clearing the land. You're um, building the wine press, digging things up, clearing out stones, planting vines. It was a lot of work. And God is at work, just, just like we read here, because he loves the fruit that is produced in our lives. But at the end of this passage, I think God asks an interesting question. He says, what more could have been done? And the answer to that question is found in Jesus. In Jesus, the Father did his greatest work. He sent his only son, paying the price for sin, dying on the cross, and rising from the dead. Has worked salvation on our behalf so that anyone who believes in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. See, the good news of the gospel is that God is the gardener. We're not saved because of our good works. We're saved because of God's good work. See, some of you grew grew up hearing that Christianity is only about what we do. Do and don't. Go to church, kneel, say your prayers, do all these things. But the good news of the gospel is that Christianity is not just about do or don't. It's done. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Isn't that what the hymn says? See, Jesus did it all. The Father has done the work. Our part is simply to believe and receive. Jesus is the vine. So what does that mean? In Jesus there is life. Apart from him there is no life. The Father is the gardener. He does the work. Jesus explains that in verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. We're going to look at this verse particularly in the next couple of weeks. But you can see here that God is at work. He's at work in cutting off the dead branches and removing them. He's at work in taking fruitful branches and pruning them and making them even more fruitful. But for now, I just want you to notice one thing. The Christian life is not primarily about what we do for God, but what God is doing in us and through us. He is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. And in this picture, what is our invitation? Jesus invites you to abide. Christian life is not about striving, but abiding. Come to Jesus. Surrender your life to him. Remain in Jesus. Abide in the vine. This is our invitation. 
John 15, 4. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. The word translated remain here in the original language is meno, and it can mean remain or abide. Another translation, I don't know what you're reading out of, but the ESV, English Standard Version, says it this way, and and I like this because it captures the word for our series. Jesus says, abide in me as I also abide in you. To abide is to live, continue, remain. Uh, To abide in Christ is to live in Christ. It expresses the closest relationship possible between Jesus and his disciples. As Jesus said, you are in me and I am in you. That's the, the intimacy of a relationship that God desires with us. But I want to even clarify this a little bit more. What does it mean to abide? What is Jesus talking about? Two things, and this is really important to know each of these things and the difference between the two. To abide in Christ means, number one, union with Christ, and number two, communion with God. Union with Christ and communion with God. Let's start with number one, union with Christ. Union with Christ is exactly what Jesus said. We are in Christ And Christ is in us. Do you hear that unity? I am in you. You are in me. We are united. When someone is saved, the Bible calls them in Christ. When you trusted in Jesus, you are loved in Christ. You are forgiven in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. You are uh, holy and blameless in His sight in His Christ. There's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. This is our identity in Christ. We are united to Christ by faith in Him. Paul says in one of my favorite verses, Galatians chapter 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In Christ, right, his, he died. We share in his death. The old life is gone. We share now in his resurrection life. We're alive in Christ to a relationship with God. We are in Christ. And Paul says, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As Christians, you and I are united to Christ, just like Paul was, by faith. By faith, we are connected to Jesus. By faith, we abide in the vine. So this is really important because I I read some things where it's like, oh, abiding in the vine. Let me give you three or four things that you can do so that you can abide in the vine. And I want you to understand today that abiding in the vine first of all, is not some sort of higher spiritual experience that we strive for. It's actually the position of every true believer in Jesus Christ. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. We are united in Christ. And what a difference it would make for you and I to understand this is who we are. This is the reality of our lives. Charles Spurgeon once said, there's no joy in this world like union with Christ. Have you believed in Jesus? Then you abide in Christ. Let's just be clear with that right now. But that's just the beginning. 
What does it mean to abide? Number one, union with Christ. Number two, communion with God. Communion with God. Our union with Christ, when you, when you believe in Jesus, He comes into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our union with Christ cannot change. That is who we are. That's our identity in Christ. But does our communion with God ebb and flow a little bit? It does for me. I don't know about you. Maybe there are you know, some more spiritual people in this room today. But for me, sometimes I feel closer to God. Sometimes I feel a little bit further from God. My union never changes, but the communion sometimes ebbs and flows. We can do an example uh, let's say, uh, for some reason, because uh, I'm an idiot, I say something mean to my wife, okay? Done that before, regret it. But in those moments, if I say something wrong or mean, like that doesn't end our union. Not that our marriage comes to an end, but I tell you what, it certainly affects our communion, it's the same in our relationship with God. Unconfessed sin never breaks our union with Christ. But unconfessed sin will certainly hurt our communion with God. What do we do? We simply confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive. Right? When, when we need forgiveness... It, we don't need to do the work of forgiveness. Do you guys understand? I know there are certain traditions in Christianity where if you've sinned, you need to do the work. That's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus paid it all. He did the work. Our job is to confess it, to believe, and to receive. We're not striving for this. We're abiding in this. It's a big difference. I love this invitation Jesus gives us in John 15. He says, abide in me as I also abide in you. In other words, union with Christ becomes the doorway to greater communion with God. And I actually want to talk to you in week four about how you can cultivate a greater sense of communion with God in your own life. There are some th simple things we can do to grow closer to God. We'll look at some of those things. But this word of abiding speaks of a closeness with God. It speaks of our union with Christ and an opportunity to experience greater communion with God. But today, and we kick off this series, I simply want us to recognize the picture and the invitation. And the picture is this. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And the invitation is this. Abide in me. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your past, if you understand this picture, if you accept the invitation, you can have a more intimate relationship with the God who loves you because of what Christ has done. He did it. Christ is the true vine. The Father is the gardener. He did the work of accomplishing salvation on our behalf. It is finished. We simply need to believe and receive. So would you come? Whatever distraction, whatever the burden, 
might have today and simply abide.